Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Amathedon. Thanks for tuning in. The sound of music was heard in Jamaica Plain Saturday as musicians turned porches to stages for the ninth annual JP Porch Fest. Musically minded neighbors amble the streets of Jamaica Plain, drawn to the exquisite musical stylings of J.S. Bach, performed by Friedhelm Hildebrand, just one of the many talented musicians who took part in this year's JP Porch Fest. I really love JP Porch Fest because you can walk around in town and one sort of music is fading while you approach the other one and people are always in very good spirits and it really combines the love of music with the love of community and sharing in good music. Audiences were delighted by the impressive array of artists and genres reflecting the equally diverse community of JP. Music is a way of bringing us together, of letting our guard down so that we can hear each other's stories. And it's also a way, like, this is a community with many cultures, many traditions, and it's really great to sort of see the different kinds of voices and the different kinds of songs and stories that this event like this brings out for our community. A new concert was simply a porch away, taking music lovers from one intimate venue to the next. Adventurous listeners were rewarded with captivating performances and new friends. I think Porch Fest is a great way for people in the community to meet one another and interact with one another when maybe they normally wouldn't. I think the one of the best things about music is that it brings everybody together and you know you see an artist playing and are able to just say, wow, I, I love that song that they just did and it sparks a, a conversation with you know maybe someone who lived just up the street from you and now you have a new friend in your neighborhood. The feel-good day of music brought out many families from across the city to share in the vibrant culture of the neighborhood while taking advantage of a rare, clear day this summer. Music really um, stimulates us and gets our bodies moving in a way that we sometimes don't get to do in the course of our daily lives. Um, and it you know, shakes us up and, and brings up endorphins and makes us happy. And I think that that's um, just really nice to be able to celebrate and bring out and make it more part of the public sphere. So whoever invented this event, Porch Fest, was a genius. This is a great way to get the community out. We love it. Every year we come down to these events support the musicians. A lot of these bands are, you know, local, not very well known. Some of them have other gigs. It's just great, all-inclusive thing, great for the community. It's a great way to get out and enjoy the summer, a summertime day. Whether you're rocking out or kicking back, JP Porch Fest will deliver your bliss. PorchFest is catching fire throughout Boston with several neighborhoods hosting their own day of concerts. Rosendale PorchFest is right around the corner on September 23rd. To check out their lineup, you can visit roslandaleporchfest.org. Urban communities in Boston often don't have access to spaces where they can interact with nature or enjoy the outdoors. Edgewater Neighborhood Association saw the lack of accessibility within their own Mattapan community. So when the city presented them with a lot not being used, they took it to the next level. When the Edgewater Neighborhood Association received a plot of land in their community, they had an idea to combine a relaxing environment with access to fresh food, a food forest. A food forest is an open space that is accessible to all people. 
that grows naturally growing things, uh, many things that you would find both in a forest, uh, but maybe uh, things that you think of that you'd like to see growing naturally that don't require you know, annual replanting, uh, but that would again be accessible to everyone um, and on a space that is open daily, uh, all year round, and that anyone can come in if you see something that is ripe, we encourage and welcome you to harvest it for yourself or your family. Since 2021, Vivian Morris and the Edgewater Neighborhood Association have worked with the city and the Boston Food Force Coalition to transform the previously empty lot into a food forest where the community can relax in nature and forage naturally growing food. The space is solar powered and irrigated by collected rainwater, making it eco-efficient. We're always trying to improve the health of community members. Uh, again, that's why we have wonderful, healthy food that's totally available to all. But we want neighbors to connect with each other and to see the value of what we can actually do if we work together to create a healthy environment in our community. Students from the Gallivan Community Center and Environmental Education Organization, E-Inc., toured the space and got an up-close look at the trees, plants, bugs, and animals that have started to thrive in the food forest. Mattapan is kind of like a busy place, and you don't really get to like sit down and enjoy the moment as much as maybe if you were living somewhere where there isn't like as many people. So I feel like having something like this around kind of helps just like coming here and like relaxing maybe, just like taking in the moment. E-Inc. specializes in teaching the next generation about environmental science and inspires students to care for nature. Using their senses to identify different species, students surveyed plants and even got to see the inside of an unripe black walnut. I think what I would like them to take away is just the idea that they can make some sort of a difference for themselves, for their community, whether it's eating right and then now they serve other people or whether in other groups, you know, they've taken stances and done, gone to marches. I mean, it's just getting them to really think, I have an opportunity to make a difference and how can I use my skills and intelligence to use that. Greater picture, I want them to recognize that there are accessible ways to interact with their um, community and interact with their local environment where they can come in here they can pick that berry and then they can cook something it's not only that you can sit and appreciate the gorgeous nature that's around you but they can actually use what's here and they can cook and they can um, help the Gallivan kids get like accessible food, like extend the mission of what's here to the Gallivan Community Center, where they can take this already accessible food source and make it into a meal for the Gallivan kids. Lush with a variety of plants, the food forest is a stunning sight. From the massive black walnut trees that have made the forest their home for decades, the newly planted fig trees and blueberry bushes, the indigenous flowers that grow freely throughout the area, to the herbs that flourish in the forest. Although the forest is in its early stages, food is thriving as the Edgewood community grows closer together. And students are excited to come back and explore more. Yeah, just minus all the bugs.
The New England Conservatory shared the gift of music with young Bostonians as part of a multi-million dollar public arts initiative by Mayor Wu and the city. Students played in concert and sang some of their favorite songs with their new friends from band class. Check it out. On Tuesday, percussive beats moved hands and feet as BPS students jammed with art educators at the New England Conservatory of Music Preparatory School. Mayor Michelle Wu joined youth as they explored rhythm through drums and song. In the two-week Everyone Can Make Music program offered to third through fifth graders in the Boston area. Do you all feel something special when you're all playing together and all listening to each other and, and seeing what, not even looking to see what other people are doing, but just feeling how everyone can be in the same moment together? There's something so special about that that you really can't get through anything except for music. The program is part of the Mayor's Connect, Learn, Explore Boston's Commitment to Youth Initiative, which includes several other community engagement and arts opportunities across the city. Not all of our young people have the opportunity to experience um, creating music, writing pieces, performing, and this really gives them an opportunity to begin to develop a lifelong learning um, and appreciation for music and the arts. Um, the joy that that can bring, whether you're listening or whether you're participating in creating um, a theatrical performance or music. So it's just really exciting to see them um, learn and grow and become excited to be performers. Arts education has steadily grown in Boston, and its benefits are tremendous. According to a 2021 investor study, arts education increases students' social and emotional health, in addition to school engagement and attendance, by creating a more joyful learning environment. And joy is something Latoro Mantilla of NEC Prep knows plenty about. The main thing has been exploring with their creativity and connecting them with all these instruments of mediums to make them just empowered, to make them enjoy sound, to make them connect with each other as well. So it has been a really good opportunity for us to create a, a group of people that are enjoying music and life. <laughs> I feel like the sense of community is, is, the, is one of the biggest things they get out of this program. The idea that you need to really listen to whoever is next to you and look at each other and collectively create a groove or create a song or like do something uh, together. So I feel like that is one of the main things is like this sense of me as individual. But like once I get together with someone and then I listen to it, I can actually resonate and do other things that are bigger than myself, right? Through their partnership with the mayor, NEC secured $14.5 million to expand their offerings for pre-K through elementary school students, as well as increased scholarships to NEC prep by 150%. Accessibility and fostering appreciation for musical expression in youth are NEC's goals, and they're doing it one student at a time. Before, I used to I, when I played music, I thought I was like, oh, I don't really want to play instruments. I don't like singing. I just like singing along to music and dancing along to music. But then I discovered what I really wanted to do with music, which was I could play instruments that I enjoyed playing and I could sing songs that I enjoyed playing. Music makes me happy and I can be like in a really bad mood, like all grumpy and stuff and then they turn, they turn on the radio and put a song and I'll start dancing to the music and then my parents will be like, I thought you were mad. And I'll be like, 
Not anymore. Music came. Real estate can be a path to financial freedom and generational wealth. Thanks to a partnership between real estate developer Fallon Company and entrepreneurship incubator, excuse me, Street 2 IV, Boston youth from underserved communities are breaking into the competitive field and finding their bearings in real estate investment. Last Wednesday at Grub Street, the latest cohort of Boston young adults graduated from the Real Estate Entrepreneurship Youth Program. Now in its third year, the summer program has equipped 35 Boston students with the fundamentals of real estate investing. Knowledge that can radically change their economic possibilities, envisioned by Street 2 Ivy and Fallon Company. What we do at Street 2 Ivy is really try and work on the uh, wealth and income disparity that everyone talks about in the city of Boston. And one of the key ways that we can close that gap is by teaching young people about real estate development. When you, over the past five or six years, 10 years even, you look at the city and you see the cranes, you know, um, across the sky and a lot of uh, development and a lot of wealth being generated. What we want to do is build pathways for young people from various communities, primarily communities of color, to, um, you know, access these opportunities. And so that's why we wanted to partner with groups like the Fallon Company to teach young people about how do I get into real estate? What are the what are the things we can do in that space that can make a difference in all of our lives? Over the course of six weeks, students are taught foundational blocks of business and financial literacy by experts in the field. Working in teams, students build their own case studies on investing in real estate property, learning how to evaluate properties, raise capital, and submit and negotiate winning offers, which they present as their final capstone project. Year five is gonna be 1.1 Fallon Company leadership hopes the program can be a pipeline for establishing more diverse real estate professionals. Our investors are gonna make their return. Diversity of backgrounds, diversity of thoughts. Um, it's a huge problem in our industry. It's a huge problem um, in, in really every industry, right? So. For this program, we like to think of it, and, and you know, credit to Joe and Mike Fallon for being leaders in the space, credit to Tavares and his team at Street to Ivy. The goal is to get at the core of, of the issue um, and equip people who are young people who are, you know, maybe, maybe wouldn't otherwise have those opportunities or be exposed to these um, resources and be able to provide that at a very young age. Um, so they can feel, like I said earlier, so they can feel like it's attainable to them and they can realize that they can go out there and make a difference and make a change in the industry. Graduates and alums of the program are walking away with the new skills of public speaking and networking, as well as confidence. Most importantly, they're feeling empowered to choose a different path for themselves. I've never seen those like big numbers actually in my life so it's like wow you can really make that much off of doing this stuff like just depending on what like houses you choose and like what opportunities you get from the houses so at first I would say it was kind of scary because I'm like wow I didn't even know it could be like that but the more I was able to get into it and really understand like how the numbers work and like how you can get that cash flow I was able to understand it more and get like more knowledge on that so I wasn't really scared at that point because I was like alright now I know what I have to do in order to increase values on houses and what I need to do to get that cash flow going and make a profit. I've always come from like a background like seeing my parents like live paycheck to paycheck and I was always like you know I want to come 
from something different like i want to build generational wealth but i never knew how so i definitely say like this has showed me that generational wealth is possible and it's definitely given me like more of a network of people like to connect with like adults especially because i'm only 22. What advice would you have for other young people like yourself who may be interested in real estate but might not know where to start? I would just say don't shy away from opportunities. Really, I didn't know anything going into it. Um, the more skills you know is so helpful for the future, and I'm really glad that I was able to do that. So I will just tell the young kids, really just learn as much as you can. Um, take the opportunity. One thing that I like to teach our young people is that they're great as they are today. Right, and that they have what it takes today to be great and, and to be successful in whatever it is they're doing. We all need education, we all need training, but what we really want to focus on is letting people know that they're valuable and their value is something that we all need. As cities transition to green energy, Boston is leading the U.S. in its renewable energy progress. Following 11 years on Boston City Council setting aggressive environmental initiatives, Matt O'Malley is continuing his green focus as Chief Sustainability Officer for Vicinity Energy, which is working to decarbonize the city's district energy with electrically produced steam. We invited former Councilor O'Malley to discuss Vicinity's goals, the benefits of e-steam, and how making efforts to save the earth can save you money. Here's our conversation. You gave the city of Boston 11 faithful years representing District 6, which stretches into Jamaica Plain, Roslindale, and West Roxbury. You chose not to run for re-election at the end of 2021. Yeah. And now, in your current role as Chief Sustainability Officer at Vicinity, uh, can you talk a little bit about how you are continuing your focus on uh, green energy and decarbonization? Certainly, and thank you again so much for having me. Um, I had the incredible honor for over a decade of serving my neighbors uh, as a member of the Boston City Council. Uh, during that time, we had a front row seat working first with Mayor Tom Menino, then Mayor Walsh, and now Mayor Wu uh, in her early days, uh, in really working with a dynamic group of individuals uh, who served on the body with me. And we were able to push some really uh, aggressive and important legislation that I think made the city a little bit better place to live, work, and raise a family. A passion of mine was always in the environmental space, uh, and I was incredibly lucky to have served as the environment chair for my entire time in office. Mm -hmm. And it was a really a, a seamless transition when I opted not to run for re-election, although I love the body and love service, uh, to be able to stay uh, in the field of sustainability, uh, environmental protection at this critically crucial time. And it's really been a wonderful opportunity to work with incredibly talented colleagues at Vicinity, we are the district energy system that serves about 70 million square feet in Boston and Cambridge. We're in 12 other major U.S. cities like Philadelphia, Baltimore, uh, parts of Washington, D.C., parts of Atlanta, Grand Rapids, uh, Kansas City, uh, to name a few. And we're North America's largest district energy system. One of the uh, reasons I was brought on is because we are an industry leader in decarbonization. We are literally changing the way we create steam. We are allowing our customers and new potential customers the opportunity to dramatically lower their carbon greenhouse, their greenhouse gas emissions, their carbon intensity, mm -hmm. by how they uh, procure um, and how we deliver renewable thermal energy. And it's really been a great opportunity to have worked on the policy side for so long to now actually be with a company that's implementing it. Wonderful. 
Uh, and recently, Mayor Wu, she banned the use of fossil fuels yep. in municipal buildings. She's aggressively pushing for green energy alternatives. Can you break down some of the uh, green energy systems that are used, such as electrification sure. and e-steam that you mentioned? And how are they different from uh, solar energy or wind energy yeah. that we're more familiar with? Sure. I wouldn't say that they're different. I would say that they are part of that solution, looking at renewables. So, so first off, Mayor Wu deserves tremendous credit uh, for really leading and making Boston a Green New Deal city. Um, she and I worked together for eight of my 11 years on the council, and we partnered on the plastic bag reduction ordinance on community choice energy on the wetlands bill. So it was a sustainable initiative after sustainable, after sustainable initiative. We were uh, partners uh, joined at the hip uh, passing that for the city. So I've been so impressed uh, and really inspired by her work uh, now as our chief executive. Uh, by limiting and preventing buildings from using fossil fuels in a city like Boston, a dense older city, you will see a dramatic reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Buildings account for something like 67 or 68 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions in a city like Boston. Wow. Um, you go down to Philadelphia, which is another one of the vicinity cities, that number is actually higher because the electrical grid isn't quite as clean as New England ISO. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a huge driver. And by changing how we heat and cool and electrify these buildings, we're going to have a profound impact. So you know, to answer your question, what we're doing at Vicinity is we are creating steam at our central location in Kendall Square in Cambridge. We have 26 miles of pipe underground, and we're delivering a new product called e-steam, electrified steam. So rather than using cogen or gas boilers, we're using electric boilers. We're also, uh, in two years, we will have up and operational the largest heat pump complex, probably in North America, certainly in the United States, wow. uh, right in Kendall Square, which is going to be how we create steam, leveraging water from the Charles River, um, which then will yield a COP or an efficiency rate of about 2.2 to 2.6, depending on the time of year, hmm. which means we'll be able to create steam with renewable energy. Um, we will be probably one of the largest customers for offshore wind once it's on and operational. Right now we export electricity to the grid. We're going to be import it and be able to access it uh, when wind energy is up online in the next couple of years. Mm. Um, and that will allow us to create this product. The third thing that, that is part of our decarbonization plan is thermal storage as well. So it's electric boilers, the heat pump complex, and then using a thermal storage uh, which is a really growing and innovative technology, but it will allow us to shift the peak, which will then mean more favorable rates for us and our customers in terms of procuring renewable energy. Uh, so during your time on City Council, you also drafted the Building Energy Reduction yes. uh, and Disclosure Ordinance. We also know it as BIRDO. BIRDO, that's right. Uh, it's been instrumental in Boston's plan uh, in reaching its net zero carbon goal by year 2050. Yep. Uh, can you explain some of the key points of the ordinance and what steps Boston needs to take in order to bring the school to fruition? Absolutely. It, it, it's been great, as I mentioned uh, in the beginning of our segment, to get to implement and work on some of the policies that, that I helped pass. Part, you know, not, there is no clearer example of that than the Berto Ordinance. Berto was originally passed in 2013 under former Mayor Tom Menino. Uh, he chaired it. I happened to be the government operations chair, so it came through my committee. And it essentially benchmarked building energy and utility usage. And it was somewhat controversial back in the day. A lot of businesses thought this was proprietary information. They didn't want to share it. Mm. Well, a funny thing happened. It passed. 
Uh, it was voted on not unanimously. It was, it was uh, a little tight. <laughs> Mayor Menino signed it, and we saw huge adoption. And people started to realize that if they're going to actually start measuring and managing their energy use, water use, heat, heating use, um, there's an opportunity for some real savings. It goes back to my point about making the economic case for sustainability. Eight years after that, in my final term, I worked with uh, then-Mayor uh, Walsh in Birdo 2.0, which sent these benchmarks for these large buildings. Every building that's 20,000 square feet and above in the city of Boston has to show reductions in their carbon intensity and their greenhouse gas emissions beginning in 2025 or 2026. Mm. And from there, you're going to see every fi in five-year increments a reduction. A couple of aspects of our bill, um, I think, should be emulated elsewhere is one, it's building specific. We're not gonna hold a hospital to the same standard as a self-storage facility, although both buildings would likely qualify. They're very different energy and utility usage. Right. And then the second is we created an equitable investment fund. So for every dollar of an alternative compliance payment that we collect from folks who might need it to get under a threshold, that's going to be capital that'll be redeployed in community to make sure we can address decarbonizing affordable housing uh, uh, developments, have more EV charging uh, capabilities, grow our tree canopy, invest in job uh, uh, workforce development and job placement. That's gonna have a real impact on making Boston, uh, the, uh, to give Boston the ability to continue to lead as a sustainability city. Mm. And clearly it takes a lot of people, a lot of, um all of the village in order to mm. make decarbonization possible. How can Boston businesses step up to, to meet this moment that we're in now? It's a great question. Um, they need to be doing a lot more. What truly drew me to vicinity is I had a meeting with Bill DeCrose, our CEO, and he mentioned this decarbonization plan and vision that he had. Um, and we're not inventing the wheel here. What we are doing at Vicinity has been done all over leading sustainability cities in Europe, like Copenhagen, like Malmo, like Glasgow, uh, Scotland, which are repurposing district energy systems, which are essentially fuel agnostic into meet this moment by using renewable energy to create thermal energy and, and to be able to support uh, our customers. So it's looking to see what other businesses are doing, emulating the strategies that work, um, making some targeted investments now that will have huge benefits in the long term. Um, something as simple as incentivizing your employees with access to, you know, paying for uh, Charlie cards or bike share programs, um, encourage opportunities for new and innovative technology, um, working together and actually meeting these goals. It's very easy for a company to say, I'm going to decarbonize by 2050 and not do a darn thing about it between now and then. Hmm. If you actually make some concrete commitments and agreements um, and actual work, that's going to be how we address this climate crisis. This is truly the existential threat to our time. Businesses have to step up and lead. I am so grateful to be working for a company that is leading internationally on how we can decarbonize. Every other business in Boston and beyond should be doing the same. That's how we're going to tackle this. Mm. And as we see more extreme weather events affect mm. Boston due to climate change, uh, what message would you like to leave residents in in regard to their power in reversing the effects? No, that it's, we're it's, it's a fabulous question. We, we are seeing weather events that were unimaginable. 
Um, so, uh, 2015, I believe it was, we had 108 inches of snow in the city of Boston. I mean, that was, that was many viewers remember, I certainly do, I was in office at the time. We had snow, I think, all but three or four days in the month of February. Um, the following winter, we had three nor'easters in the month of March alone. We typically have one a year. We had three in one month. Mm. And it's showing that the climate crisis is real. There are few, thankfully, uh, climate skeptics around. Um, there are still some, but I think more and more people realize we no longer have to act on climate for our kids and grandkids. We have to act because we're seeing it in real time now. So one individual can make a profound impact and no one should ever feel that this is too big of a crisis or this is something that we cannot address. We've done it before. I'm old enough to remember when acid rain, when the hole in the ozone layer were real and legitimate threats and government, the business community and individuals came together to put a policies in place to address that. We're able to reverse a lot of the damage. We have to do that now and we have to again phrase this not only as the right thing to do for our planet, but the right thing to do for our economy. We have incredibly talented individuals in this region. Uh, we, ha we should be the leader on green tech. We should be the leader on innovation. It's going to be good for our economy and more importantly, good for our planet. Thanks for tuning in, Boston. That's our broadcast for tonight. We leave you with a selection from Pan on the Plaza, a vibrant steel pan extravaganza, which featured five incredible bands at City Hall Plaza on Wednesday. For BNN News, I'm Faith Maffedon, and I'll see you next Friday.